Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Owning It, the Anxiety podcast with me, your host and author, Caroline Foran. I am taking a moment this week to do a solo episode. I will have a bonus episode also hopefully coming this week and we'll be back to regular guest episodes um, thereafter. But every now and then, as you know, if you're a long-time listener, I like to step back, take stock, reflect, take a moment, I suppose, to update you on where I'm at because this is always an ongoing journey for me as well. Um, It's not a case of having figured out anxiety long ago and never having felt it again. That's just not how it works because life throws things at you and things get in the way and you know anxiety is very much a part of life um but each time we experience it it gets a little bit easier we learn something new we get to know ourselves a bit better so I want to just talk a little bit about where I've been today and also um answer some of your questions because I get a lot of specific questions over Instagram DMs and um, with my Substack now as well so I thought I would do a bit of a Q&A um, to try as best I can to help um, point you in the right direction with certain things obviously bearing in mind all the time that I am not a traditional expert I can only speak from my own experience from what's worked for me and pull from the different conversations that I've had or what I've learned from the various world-renowned experts who I've had on the series. Um, on that note, there is something that I w- had wanted to share, which I just found so simple, but so effective and so helpful from an episode I did recently. And that was with a Stanford psychologist. His name was Dr. David Spiegel, and he did an episode with me around hypnotherapy, which was just so um, enlightening Um, But he said to me, when it comes to all of our catastrophic thoughts about things happening in the world, we were talking specifically about people having fears around, uh, or phobias around, for example, getting in an airplane and, you know, how hard it is to argue with the truth that, well, it is possible that the plane could fall out of the sky, that something could go terribly wrong. Everything is possible. So there's no point in trying to convince yourself that something is impossible. 
But you have to ask yourself the question, is it probable? So yes, it's possible, but is it probable? No. Probability brings you back down to earth, no pun intended with the flying. It helps you bring your mind from that fear-driven side into the more logical, rational thinking part that says, okay, well, and it, it applies to anything. So say, for example, you're having catastrophic thoughts about um, whether, like for me right now, it's been a lot about my son and, and his development. And you could have one bad day and think, well, what if this just spirals and it gets more difficult every day? And yes, it's possible. But given the evidence of what we have had to deal with and him being a three-year-old and what three-year-olds are like, it's very probable that he's just being a toddler and we're just having a difficult few weeks or few days. So just to start with, if you can write that down, yes, it might be possible. Anything's possible, but is it probable? And if something really is very probable, then you can work to address it and overcome it and like hack that fear around what you can do to make it more doable if the probability of something happening is high. But if it's not probable, you can try to work with yourself to say, okay, this is very likely not going to happen and approach it from that perspective. So that's just something I wanted to start with before we get into it. And I hope that's helpful. I haven't been anywhere near as consistent as I usually try to be with the podcast or with anything, to be honest, because I have been really struggling, um, not even so much anxiety wise, but from really crippling back pain. And it's been a year now of it being in a chronic state. I've had all kinds of treatments have gone down all kinds of rabbit holes and avenues trying to address it. Um, I think that I'm clear now on what's going on. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about being in pain and how that can colour our experience of things and really how we can underestimate how significant it can be. And also when I was sharing on Instagram that I was having all this difficulty with back pain, I had so many people say to me, you're probably just anxious, you're probably just stressed. And if you resolve the stress or anxiety, a lot of it will go away. And this is a little bit problematic for me um, in a few ways. I think it's amazing that we have such awareness now that we can say, hang on a second, is what I'm going through actually more of a mental health issue than a physical issue? And that certainly was a case for me when I was feeling sick all the time. It was such a big part of it was anxiety. But it's not always just anxiety. And if we're so quick to say, oh, it must be just anxiety. I'm just holding it in this part of my body. We kind of turn it back on ourselves as if to say it's our own fault or, you know, we can think our way out of it, which can kind of create more stress and anxiety. So for me, you have to be careful with how you speak with yourself about that because it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. Like my back pain has been so excruciating that I am incredibly stressed out because I'm in pain, because doing basic daily things is such a challenge when I get stressed about something else in my life right now, it's probably going to dial up the back pain even more because I'm in that sensitive, um, highly strung physical state where my body's, it's trying to protect itself. So it's probably holding itself a little bit tighter than usual. So one thing can, you know, be feeling stress can make it worse. But for me, it's so important that I say to myself, that of course I feel stressed and a bit anxious about being in so much pain all the time, about not knowing why I'm feeling this way, about not knowing what that's going to look like in the future. Of course, that's going to create anxiety in you. It doesn't mean that the anxiety is there and that's the reason the back pain is there and that's the only reason. Because 
we undermine then what we might actually be dealing with on a more physical level. Same thing happened to me when, you know, I was going through those years of of all this stomach trouble with anxiety. Um, and for sure, I was living in a very, I was in denial about being an anxious person. There was no awareness of it. There was no connection to me between the mental and the physical. But at the same time, I also had very real tangible difficulties with my stomach. I found out that I was lactose intolerant. I was not able to break down the lactose enzyme, which meant that every time I consumed lactose, which was all the live long day, my stomach had a hard time breaking that down. And the result was to feel sick, to have physical symptoms, to have gut issues. And the more unwell I felt consistently, the more anxious I felt. When I was able to address that physical issue and take away some of the symptoms, a lot of the anxiety settled down, at least a portion of it. Now, it wasn't the be all and end all because I was also going through a mental health challenge, but it wouldn't have been fair to me. And it was said to me a lot. And I said it to myself, you know, this is just, you've just created this with anxious thoughts. You're just thinking this. We give anxiety sometimes far too much credit. Yes, we need to be aware of it. Yes, it plays a role. Yes, it can exacerbate things and it can be at the root of things, but it's not always the only thing that's going on. So for me, when I was younger, had I known or had I gotten to the bottom of my stomach issues much earlier, I may never have gotten to the point where anxiety was so dominant in my life. I may have been like, oh, well, well, I've removed this now. Now I don't feel so bad. Now I can work on just feeling more confident. Whereas feeling that unwell for that long, which was definitely partly to do with this very physical issue, eroded my confidence. It made me not want to be outside my house because I didn't feel well. I needed to be near a bathroom. I wanted to be in the comfort of my own home. That started to impact my the way I think, my mindset. And of course, that started to contribute to me being a more anxious person overall. So I guess what I just want to say is, don't be so quick to just rubbish everything physical and say, no, it's just anxiety, it's just stress. I don't think that stress and anxiety is always fully responsible for every niggle and everything that we go through. Sometimes there are things at play. And what I've learned now with my back, and it's so important to me, and it's very validating for me to have learned this because I've done various scans, is that I have a really malaligned pelvis. And you, I don't think you can stress, think your way into shifting the bones in your body. <laughs> like, I don't think that's something that we can just say, just meditate a bit more and that will go away. Like, I need very physical physiotherapy and different interventions to help to fix that, to help release the tension, to help remove some of the pain. And then when that pain is less and I'm feeling less in pain, my mental, the mental side of it will lift because I'm not wincing all throughout the day. But I had so many messages and people mean really well, of course they do, um, saying, you know, well, for me, anytime I get stressed, I get a flare up in my back. And that could be where someone holds their tension. But there's a very big difference between a little bit of tension, I suppose. Some people, it can be in their head with headaches. Some people, it can be, um, a lot of people like myself, for, for many years, it was, I would feel it in my in my tummy if I felt a bit nervous or a bit stressed. Um, but when something is so physical and you're doubled over with, um, like for me, there's been, it's been a lot of sciatica symptoms lately, like shooting pains. I think that if we were to just say, oh, it's just anxiety, it's just stress, we'd end up getting ourselves into such a state of, you know, maybe not pursuing very real, very helpful interventions that could help lessen the discomfort. And when you lessen the discomfort, a lot of the mental anguish of it goes away. So I'm delighted that I've had these scans now and I can see that I'm 
tilted in all the wrong ways. There's a lot of um, compression in my lower back. I do have some bulging discs, which uh, can exacerbate things. I, I don't think that they're really to blame for my pain at the moment. I think everyone, as we get older, we, we're all likely to have um, some discs that bulge out. It just happens with aging. Um, but yeah, it's been incredibly stressful. And, and I've been really anxious about like, Jesus, am I just going to feel like this forever? It's so debilitating with my child who doesn't understand and he wants me and only me all of the time. He's 17 and a half kilos. He wants to be carried around. Um, I'm not getting that much chance to, I, I can't get out of a pain state in order to get myself stronger so that I don't get back into pain. I just, I haven't been able to get that window of opportunity. And then with, you know, throw in other stresses, like we had some stress over Christmas with our son. We've had developmental concerns with him. We're pursuing a psychological assessment for him. And that's like a whole other area of stress for me. Um, But all of that makes, you kind of forget how much that can be impacted by um, being in so much physical pain. Um, So yeah, I guess I just wanted to say, if you're really struggling physically with something, um, you got to look at it from both sides. Don't just say it's just anxiety, but don't negate the anxiety element of it either. Usually there's a bit of both at play, but it's really important that you do pursue the, you know, more traditional physical aspects of it. Because if there's something really affecting you, whether it's that you're eating something that doesn't agree with you, it doesn't matter how much you master your anxiety. If your body rejects that thing, it's going to keep feeling unwell it's going to and that's going to make you anxious so you're kind of banging your head against a wall so make sure if if you're in a similar position whether it's good issues or whether it's migraines or um really intense back pain or anything that's physically very debilitating pursue it from all angles um and in doing that you will reassure yourself and maybe maybe it will come up that there's nothing wrong that all your bones are in the right place that there's you know nothing nothing um structurally there or nothing there and how you function um and then if you can rule that out then you can address the more mental side of it fully and focus on that um but I do think we need to be careful how much we just say oh that must be just stress and anxiety I need to just chill out more because it's a lot to ask of yourself and a lot to expect of yourself to just mentally feel fine when you're in that much pain and discomfort so That is my little rant over and done with. Now on to the next piece of this solo episode. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Okay, so I asked on Instagram for people to submit their questions. If there's ever anything you want me to, to address, please do find me over there or um, reach out to me on Substack and I will do my best to get to your question, whether it's a solo episode or put it to an expert. This one is just, it comes up again and again and again. And I honestly need the world's biggest megaphone to get this message across. So the question is, what's your opinion on meds for anxiety? I've been prescribed some and anyone I tell uh, that I need them to or that I've been prescribed them are like, you don't need them. And my mother does not agree with me taking them. Now, this is just on so many levels awful because we still clearly have such a stigma around medication for anxiety. I've done many episodes, uh, or at least I've mentioned it in many episodes. I've done a few very specific episodes on medication and I urge you to go back and listen to those if you're in the position where you're considering it or you've been recommended it or you're dealing with people who are like this saying, no, you don't need that. That's, you know, ridiculous. It's so unfortunate that there's still still such a stigma there. Um, but that comes from a lack of education, a fear, I guess, the the myths around medication, how we've been... Um, how we've perceived it over time because what we know of medication what we think we know of medication or someone who needs it is that it's someone who's like you know girl interrupted um, was the reference that myself and Sophie White came up with in the last episode it's this idea of being so deeply unhinged and it's a fearful thing it's when people react that way they're afraid of it they're afraid that you are going to be so far gone and taking medication is some somehow um I guess, making that become a reality. No, medication is there to help you and keep you from getting to a point of ever, I guess, devolving to into such a mental, a mentally poor state that you then reflect the things that we fear most um, when it comes to mental health. Medication is there as not, not a like fix all. It's not one thing that's going to make everything else go away. It's one element. It's like, I always consider it like a, a bicycle wheel. And there's many, many spokes on the wheels. One of the one of the spokes, one of the biggest spokes could be lifestyle. So for example, circumstances. So someone could be dealing with incredible anxiety, postpartum or postnatal depression, and they would be recommended perhaps to go on medication for that. A huge part of what they're going through there is circumstantial, that's lifestyle. Why medication would be recommended there is because you can't just say, right, I'm off. I'm going to change my lifestyle here and not be here with my baby and not be up all night. Like at those really intense times in life, we have to just bed down and we can change the circumstances. And in that instance, something like medication can really help to just level things off. In other situations, if it's a job that's causing a lot of stress and anxiety, sometimes all you have to do is leave the job and change and rearrange lifestyle pillars, I suppose, and that will be part of it. Sometimes that's not enough. For me, when my anxiety was at its, at its worst, leaving the job was one thing I had to do, but it wasn't the only thing. I did have to go on medication as well because I was suffering so much that it wasn't going to just write itself for that reason. I think we think so much about what medication how it will be perceived, what it looks like. It's so rooted in those warped messages and warped portrayals of medication that we've seen in movies and TV. 
it is literally there to help your hormones, your your brain just reset a little bit. And I can't explain it in anywhere near as clear terms as any of the experts that I've had on Will. So do go back to that episode. But if you're getting a response to that from people, it's really difficult. And like, I would struggle with that so much and I would get really angry and I'd get really upset. But that is coming from a lack of awareness on their part, a lack of education, a lack of understanding. And it's really their fear probably and their they're not knowing really what medication is for and how it works that makes them have that reaction. Needing medication does not in any shape or form mean that you are weak, that you are broken, that there's something very wrong with you. It's like this, we say it all the time, you know, like taking something for a stomach issue, taking if you, like for me with my back pain, taking painkillers for my back pain to help that. Why wouldn't you do something if you are trying everything else? And it is just one thing. So of course you're going to be looking at lifestyle. Of course you're going to be looking at, you know, if you're not getting any sleep at night, well, okay, taking medication is not going to fix that if you, if you don't work on that as well. You know, it's like one spoke on a wheel, but it's a very relevant spoke. It's not a spoke on the wheel that everyone needs, but it's a spoke that can really benefit a lot of people. It's something that you might only need for a short time. For me, it's something that I take long term because it makes me feel so much more balanced that I don't want to mess with it. I don't feel any need to come off it and try and prove to the world that I'm fine without it because it works for me. And I'm so far gone beyond caring what people will think about it. And anyone who does have those opinions, I will so quickly put them back in their box and say, hold on a minute, like, where is this coming from? This is your issue, not my issue. Because medication is, can be so helpful. If you've been prescribed it, it's probably because you are really struggling right now and you need a little lift and you've been recommended it. I would say, just make sure you're taking it for the right reasons, not because you're trying to avoid the reality of what you're going through. Make sure you are willing to look at what's going on, the full picture, the holistic full 360 of what's going on um, and just know that taking it does not mean that you're weak. It can take a while to um, feel the benefits of it, but it can massively help. And the big thing for me with medication is taking it and allowing your body to reset and just feel that balance is so essential so that you can then benefit from the other things that we are more socially comfortable with doing for our mental health, like going for our walks or doing our meditation or doing our yoga. If you are so unraveled hormonally and mentally and physically, like a physiological, it's a whole mind-body thing. If that is so out of whack that you can't keep your head above water, then you're not going to benefit from having a cup of tea and a chat with someone or therapy or that kind of thing. You'll benefit to some degree, but sometimes it's a case of allowing your head to come above water so that then you can turn to the things that you know will help and actually get somewhere with them. So that's what medication has been for me. It got me out of a very, very deep, dark hole. Um, And I think anyone who knows me now would never think that I'm weak because I went on it. But actually, when I realized I needed to go on medication, it was probably one of the strongest moments of my life because I said, hold on a minute, I really, I know that I need help here and I need to advocate for myself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this. So much of it is wrapped up in fear and perception. It's really just a little tablet that will help to correct some balances inside. And that can happen in, in loads of different ways in our bodies. But because it's to do with our mind, we feel frightened of it or we feel like it's something that we should be able to control. But sometimes we need a little extra help. So I would really try and, I suppose, direct your 
if you if you if it really matters to you what your parents think and what you, what other people think direct them towards some information that helps them understand how medication works um what what it's about you know how many people are actually taking it maybe they don't realize how common it is how normal it is um, or try and advocate for yourself and do your own thing without needing their validation. I say that as someone who definitely needs the approval of others a lot. Um, but if 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 your worry about their worry about you needing medication is going to add to your anxiety, then that's something you could maybe look to address with um, a therapist because it's it's really, really hard and it's really unfortunate because I worry that it's preventing a lot of people from getting the help that they need and taking the medication that they might benefit from, even if it's just for a short time, because they're worried about what people will think. Um, and that is a huge part probably of why people are really struggling. Um, and it just shows me how much further we have to go when it comes to dismantling that stigma and those perception and that fear. Another question I was asked uh, was, do you have PTSD from the anxiety you experienced many months ago, the fear of going back to that severity? Um, I think I absolutely do carry that with me. And I did an episode around this very recently. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, That is probably the biggest fear that I carry is, well, one of, um, you know, what if I just unraveled and went back to that place and it's really valid I think it's really normal to feel that way it was a very 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 difficult dark time um I did I think it was in November have like a a little bit of a wave of anxiety and that was purely based on a few kind of spiraling thoughts about you know what if I go back there so I do have an episode on that which you can go and listen to in more detail um but I think I don't know if I would call it like I haven't been diagnosed as having PTSD, but it's just, there's emotional scars there. Like if I even drive through the village where I lived at the time, um, I kind of feel like scene of the crime syndrome. I find it hard to be there. I also, if I look back at photos at that time, I will, I'll kind of feel a bit of a jolt of like, I, I find it very hard to go back there. Um, so yes, I do have that fear, but it only kind of grows arms and legs if I'm feeling particularly anxious. And I know I've been there so many times now that I know that once things settle, once I feel, once I kind of come out of that haze again, I I have the tools there. I have the experience there. I have the knowledge there to know that I will never, ever, ever, no matter what, go back there because things are so different now. I know so much more now than I did then. Um, and I crucially know what to do with myself if if I ever start to feel it. Um, and I'm very, very good at advocating for myself. Um, and if I had to, I could, you know, change around my medication if I needed to. So I know that there is so much there at my disposal should I ever be in a really, really vulnerable state again. Someone asked me, how do I, how do I deal with anxiety first thing in the morning? I'm really struggling to get out of bed. And um, that was something that was absolutely massive for me. And the reason being is that we produce cortisol first thing in the morning to help us wake up. However, if you're already dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety, you're probably already holding a lot of cortisol in your body. You probably have elevated cortisol levels which are not necessarily um, petering off in the nighttime. So then in the morning when you get this natural dose, it's like a double dose. And then you're like, why do I feel absolutely riddled with dread and fear? And that is usually a huge part of why it's, or for me anyway, it, it was the absolute reason why it was so hard in the morning. 
the worst thing you can possibly do is stay in bed. You have to get up and let the hormones leave your body, which they will. They will start to settle as the day goes on. But moving your body, moving your muscles, getting into a warm shower and with owning it real time, which I've probably not done a very good job of promoting, is a resource that I created as part of the podcast. It's behind a paywall because there's no ads and no interruptions. And I have a specific audio guide dedicated to dealing with anxiety in the morning. I will help you walk through it in real time as it's happening for you. I will help you understand why it's happening, what's happening and what to do about it. And you can access that on ACAST+. Plus. I'll put a link for that also in the show notes. Um, and I have definitely done previous episodes that go into morning anxiety in more detail as well. So I hope that helps. Another question which could probably uh, deserve its own episode is, have you ever had intrusive thoughts um, and yes I have and it's hard to know the difference between like catastrophic thinking and intrusive thoughts sometimes the lines are a bit blurred for me um but certainly when I was postpartum um and that's a very common time for intrusive thoughts to come about where I guess your baby is so vulnerable and so dependent on you and you have all this power and it's very jarring, but your brain can throw up visions in your head, like imagining, what if I just dropped the baby? You know, what if I, it can be anything. Like I, I think dropping the baby is quite a common one or people feel like, God, I feel like sometimes I have thoughts that I'm going to harm my baby. It is so utterly um, terrifying to have those thoughts. I was really lucky in that it, they weren't that common for me. They would come every now and then um, when I was massively sleep deprived and uh, I learned that intrusive thoughts are actually almost a, a, like a, a functional part of your brain trying to, in a very warped way, trying to show you images of what it wants to make sure you don't do or bring things to mind so that it sharpens your senses. I guess it's making you more fearful and more aware of what could go wrong to make sure that you don't. So I know that's probably not a very good explanation of it, but intrusive thoughts for me usually come up. And I, I guess I've had some recently where I've, you know, had slightly darker thoughts about, I've been really struggling with my son and um, my thoughts have been more about, you know, oh, I want to run away. I just want to run away. And, and sometimes I have to let myself think th that through to know that that's not what I want to do and how bad that would be for my family. I guess it's just a moment of desperation where I feel like, they come along as a really sharp reminder of what not to do. Um, if you don't understand that intrusive thoughts work in that way, it can be really scary. Um, and I read about it in um, a book called What Mothers Do, especially when it looks like nothing. And um, that's the title, that's the full title of it. So even if you're not, even if you have experience, uh, if, you, if you've experienced intrusive thoughts, nothing to do with parenting or early motherhood, she does have a really good explanation in that book about um, the function of intrusive thoughts and, and, and how to perceive them and understand them, which made a massive difference for me. But yes, they are very scary. And, you know, it's like a bomb goes off in your head. And um, I think knowing the difference between those and catastrophic thinking has been uh, important as well. But intrusive thoughts will not harm you. They are just thoughts. You are not your thoughts. Uh, people say you are what you think. No, you're not. Thoughts come and go. They're like weather. Um, and if you are experiencing intrusive thoughts, it's probably your body and your mind and your survival instinct wanting to bring something very important to your attention so that you're aware of what not to do or what to make sure it doesn't happen. 
Um, and thinking of it in that way has made me feel a lot less fearful of them and more forgiving of myself if and when they do pop up, which I'm thrilled to say is incredibly rare. I'll answer one more question here and then I will leave it at that because it's, uh, I like to keep my solo episodes a little bit shorter. What would I do if a tsunami of anxiety hit me? Um, okay, I'm going to try and go through this in as brief a run through as possible. I would let people know. So I'd let my husband know. I'd call my mom. I'd probably call my in-laws and I would put in place whatever I need to give myself the chance to step back for a couple of hours. Um, I would really try and get my kid minded um, by someone else. If I if I was really bad, I'd just ask Barry to like just take the rest of the day off work um, if it was that bad. I would go out and get some fresh air. I would ground myself to the earth. I'm not a particularly earthy person, but I think being out in air and fresh air would be really important. I would... Um, have a chat with myself or with someone about maybe what's going on because if it was that severe and that much of a tsunami it would probably be quite clear to me what's going on and I would talk about it I would say I think this is what I'm feeling because I'm usually pretty good at knowing um, and that would help a lot I would have a warm shower or have a, a bath but not a too hot bath because if you make yourself feel too hot and uncomfortable you're going to exacerbate the anxiety so just a warm shower I would take a Xanax if I needed that. I have a couple that I keep for emergency purposes only. Um, so I would, I mean, that's something I would have been so hesitant to do back in the early days because I would have thought, oh my God, you know, what does this mean? I would just take one and let my body settle down. Um, that's not me saying everyone should take Xanax whenever they feel anxious, but that's, you know, it's it's there for me if I need it. You know, if you if you suffer to that extent with it, um, you could talk to your doctor about having some there for, you know, when it feels it's, it's not sometimes it's just an insurance blanket, even just to know that it's there. Um, I would yeah, I would probably be looking at the lifestyle reasons as to why this is happening. I would be trying first to just calm my body down, meet myself where I'm at soothe my body, let it settle down, let it come out of that high stress state and let things calm down a bit. Um, I would probably then do a little bit of ASMR because to me that I'm, I'm going to do an episode with an expert on that very soon. It's just such an amazing way to get my body into a state of deep relaxation. And then I would, when I'm feeling calm, you know, be able to have the chats then and look at what's going on and what changes I need to make or what what has come to a head. Why have I gotten to this point? Um, what where have I not been supporting myself? What has been too much? Um, and be really unapologetic about going about saying, my body is telling me right now that this is all too much. Something needs to change. I would advocate for myself. Um, I would put in place non-negotiable things, whether it's, okay, right, I realise I need to go back to therapy. I'm booking that in every week. Or... I haven't been, you know, sleeping. I need to cancel my plans and write things off and just, you know, prioritize myself. I would just be so good to myself in so many ways. Um, so once I'd calm myself down, once I'd address what's going on, I would then be really kind of going to the more self-soothing space, which would be, um, okay, what can I do now? So like, do I want to talk about it? If I've already done that, what, how would I like to spend my time? Would I like to get into bed? Would that feel good to just have like, just to write the day off? Would I like to watch some nice movie? Do I feel like I like to go out and, you know, d distract myself? Because sometimes you need different things. Um, and I would just, just keep asking myself with compassion, what do I need right now? What would help? 
what is going on. It's okay that you've gotten to this point. You know, it makes sense because it always does make sense. There are things you can do. You're not going to spiral to the point that you were before. I would reassure myself of that. I would say this is just a bump in the road. This anxiety is coming along for a reason. It wants to bring something to your attention. Maybe you've been neglecting yourself. Maybe there's something that you're ignoring, something you're not paying attention to. I would try and find the reason for the anxiety. I would try and go back to that idea that I had a long time ago of seeing anxiety as the compass, which is trying to direct you towards or back towards something that you have been neglecting or towards something that really matters. Um, and I would check in with, you know, my my core values. Like, am I doing things that take me so off track with that because that can kind of be the reason for anxiety as well I would ask myself like am I just under the weather am I due my period is it because I'm in chronic back pain there are so many different things that I know to ask myself and look towards to help get me back to a sense of equilibrium and so that's I guess in a nutshell what I would do so soothing that the physical soothing part the the getting my body before I try to analyze it and before I try to like think my way out of it I'd have to just soothe my body and get really primal and physical and calm down those hormones and then I would apply the the more psychological tools and the thinking part and the talking part because you have to do both you can't think your way out of such an intense wave of that and you have to first I think start with the, the physiological stuff whether it's the fresh air the deep breaths the the calming down and then apply the the tools that you know that will help i'm gonna leave it there for this episode i will be back if you like these solo episodes i'll be back with more i also go into um more detail on specific stuff in my Substack. i talk a lot about parenting anxiety over there because that's kind of what i'm going through at the moment and i would love if you find this episode and this series helpful if you subscribe to me you can do so on substack.com forward slash no sorry it's carolineforin.substack.com forward slash subscribe Um, and there is the last few days of January where you can get a discount on becoming an annual member and you'll find the information in the show notes and I'll be back next week with a guest episode thank you so much small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.